the Boston players love But Michael Jordan is not only the best basketball player, but he's the most exciting basketball player to ever play. Tatum fires away, pumps it in. The Big Three NBA Podcast is powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year and welcome to the Big Three NBA Podcast. I'm Kwani Lunas, joined by Ashton Blakely and Gary Washburn. New Year, same podcast. How y'all doing? You know, wonderful. Fun in there. <laughs> wonderful, Kwani. How, how you doing, Kwani? I'm doing very well. Excited yeah. for this new year, new month, new season so do you do the new year's resolution thing not like formally but me and my my best friend and i we actually wrote a a combined notes app entry of different things that we both are aligned with that we want to work on and we're going to hold each other accountable okay yeah now betting line how long that gonna last i think everything on that that we wrote on that list is sustainable because the thing words, is about New Year's resolutions is usually they're unrealistic. Like, okay. people will be like, oh, I want to go to the gym every day. Like, if you weren't doing that in December, you're not going to all, all of a sudden be in the gym every day in January. You it's not impossible, work? but it's mm-hmm. not easy to break that habit. So yeah. kind of eat into it. I, it, it. Yeah. Gary, what about you? You got any resolutions? Yeah, I got a lot. Oh, Lord. You got suck a list sure. of resolutions that you got? <laughs> yeah, but I ain't going to tell y'all clowns. And, a CVS and- receipt. <laughs> And so, and no, it's a secret. It's a I got secret. goals this year, but yeah, it's I got a mad secret. goals. Keep it to myself. Yeah, that's how you're supposed to move anyway. What are I yours? Got... Do you want to share it? You see, I just got the same one every year. Be better. Be better. That that's that's it. I mean, at the end of the day, isn't that what we really all want to do? Is just be better. Oh, that's true. God. Most of them are tied to being better. Yeah, right, excuse, so excuse me, FBI, Secret Service. I that's keep heavy. it tight to the vest. Boy, that's that's deep. Boy, that's deep. <laughs> I would say yours is deep, but I have no idea what yours is. Oh my gosh. God, that's deep, man. <laughs> be better. <laughs> put that on your wall, Sharai. Be better. I, I yeah. have to I have to put those on the cookies on the bottom shelf for folks like you, Gary. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that you oh can understand gosh. that. So the cookies on the bottom shelf, so you can understand that. Kwani, let's get it going. Let's get let's it going. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, we'll start. I'm in a happy mode this year, man. And Gary's trying to rain him up for rain. Hey, hey. I mean, you motivated us to make sure that we are all doing better. I think that's, that's right. a lesson from that. But let's get into the Celtics. Like you said, they actually just played on Tuesday night. That wasn't their first game of the year, but it was the probably most it exciting. It was their first game of the year. It was? No, they... Oh, sorry. Yes, my bad. It's the third. They played on New Year's Eve. Yeah, you're right. That's that's what I got mixed up with. But yes, their first game of the year, <clears throat> unfortunately, a really good comeback in the fourth quarter, but still resulting in a loss. Let's just go through that game. Again, very exciting basketball for a Tuesday night. But what did you two make of the fact that, one, they were behind at various points in that game, but were also surprisingly able to make a very big leap towards closing that gap towards the end. I like the fact that, you know, they, they played a really good team on the road, did not play their best game, and they were right there at the end. And it, it seems like it's rinse, recycle, repeat with them when it comes to losses. They're right there. For whatever reason, they don't look, they don't get it done. But even you can recognize where they were flawed and where they made mistakes and where they just weren't themselves. They still found a way to compete. Uh, but on the road against a good team, you can't 
you can't get down by 18 points and expect to win, uh, which is exactly what they did. And then they, they put a, a good comeback together, but uh, just wasn't enough. Uh, and lots of different reasons why they they struggled. And we can get into that a little bit later. But the bottom line is they didn't get it done against a really good team. Hopefully they learned some lessons about not getting behind against really, really good teams. Uh, to me, that's the big lesson that they should take away from this. But I'm, I'm sure as, as Gary's BFF, Joe Missoula, goes through the film, they'll find some other things that they can improve upon. <laughs> well, I thought um, they just got the third quarter killed them, 40 to 25. Like, it was just like, I think they were up three, and then the Thunder hit two threes in the first minute, and all of a sudden... Or all of a sudden they're down four, and you're like, wait a minute, third quarter just started. They're already, I think they're the what thunder went on like a seven two, seven nothing run and ten two or something. And it was suddenly they were playing from behind again. I just thought the thunder, the guys other than I mean, they didn't guard Jay, say Gazelle Alexander. He's a oh, tough yeah. guy to guard. It was just the other guys, you know. I mean, eleven different players scored for the Thunder. I just thought that they just, they all made little plays. Isaiah Joe had 10 points. Wiggins had two buckets. Um, this Millage guy hits a three. You know, Jalen Williams, the other one, hits like a 27-footer at the end of the shot clock. Like, they just started making plays that you're just like, wait a minute. And then then suddenly uh, Holmgren hits two key threes down the stretch where basically they dared – for Zingas to come out and get him, and he didn't make it all the way out there. Then suddenly, uh, Holmgren hits three. So I just thought the Thunder made more plays. The Celtics had that terrible third quarter. Jalen was not very good at all. Um, obviously, you know, four for 18, 0 for 8 from three. Um, and I just thought it was a game that, like you said, you can't fall behind by 18. You can't slip. And then they just didn't get a lot from their bench. You know, um, they didn't get a lot from Drew Holiday. So it was just one of those games. They played an average game. And I thought the Thunder played really well until like the last six minutes. And then they made a couple of plays because that's what happens when you give a team a chance. They make plays at the end. Um, and they start making those winning plays. And I just thought the Celtics didn't play to win. I, I thought that they played lackadaisically. The Thunder, it was a bigger game for them, it seemed like. And then the Celtics then said, okay, we're going to really lock down defensively. We're going to do this and that. And they made a run, but then you're, you you got to almost throw a shutout. And as I said, the two threes by Holmgren, Jalen Williams, the other one, the one with the cornrows, uh, backs in and gets a key hoop. You know, And I just thought the defense, the Celtics defense was just, it was terrible most of the night. It was terrible. Just straight up. Like they got Oklahoma city got anything it wanted. And, um, Shay's a hard guy to guard, you know, he goes left. He can he, he has big hands. He cups the ball so he can, he can literally go to the rim with his hand almost out like that. And then just lay it in. He's mastered that, that swooping layup. Like that's a tough thing to guard. Not a lot of guys in the league have that, that kind of look. Most guys take it up right in front face. Shea takes it and then whoop and then just like, you know, lays it in. But, sorry. My bad. Um, 
video <laughs> going off. Okay. So is that what that was? Okay. Yeah. Uh so anyway, um it was just to me, it was a flat performance, a good performance by the Thunder. And then they came, they tried too late to come back. Facts. That's how you feel, Sharad. Facts. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Well, the more disappointing part about this for Celtics fans is the fact that this was a six-game winning streak. Obviously, they still look really good at the TD Garden. The good was, like you mentioned, Porzingis, 34 points, 10 rebounds, three blocks. He honestly held the Celtics down when it came to everything, honestly. And then the bad, Drew Holiday, seven points, two for five of shooting, not looking good. Jalen's shot was just disgusting. Shot. I don't know what was going on. He couldn't He couldn't even make – it was bad. So all that being said, which would you say was the biggest deal for the Celtics moving forward from that loss? You got this, Gary. The biggest deal, I just thought, was the, the defense, to be honest. I thought – I mean, I'm not going to blame the three. Like, you know, they were they were not grateful. You know, I think they were 15 for 40. You know, do I think Jalen needs to keep taking threes when he's 0 for 5, uh, 0 for 6, and 0 for 7? No. That's why I didn't understand. I think he needs to get to the rim and, and, and get to the rack and get to the free throw line. I think that's his most successful, uh, you know, strategy to get points as opposed to trying to take a 28 footer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just thought the defense slipped. I didn't like their strategy. I didn't like, and I just think they didn't really know, like, listen, like Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City is deep. Like they got a bunch of young guys who can play. Casey Wallace, the rookie from Kentucky, both Jalen Williams, Aaron Wiggins. I know we haven't heard of these guys. You know, we don't, you don't hear these guys every day. You don't watch the, the Thunder on, on national TV a lot. You only know about Gilch Alexander and Holmgren. But they have a lot of players who can play. And those guys all made plays. And I just thought the Celtics have to come away with this, like they got to be better prepared and they got to be focused. And I thought with a day off, fully healthy roster. I thought they would be ready for this, more prepared for this game. And it just it, it just didn't seem like they were prepared in terms of the game plan, in terms of like 
preparing for some of the guys that they had. Okay, we know Gildas Alexander, we know Hunger, but who are these other guys? We'll let them prove to us they can play. And they did. Let's like say what 11 different guys, 11 different guys scored. Um, and all of them were key buckets, too. I mean, you know, Case and Wallace hits that open corner three. You know, I mentioned the Jalen Williams hit that 27 footer. Um, and you know, it's that you just say, okay, it's their night. Like that's what you're fighting against. You're fighting against players who play better at home, who are, you know, home crowd, big game. The Celtics are in town, you know, um, they know it was a big game. And I think, and I don't think the Celtics play like it was a big game. And I think they got to change their approach sometimes when facing teams they're not real familiar with, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I felt like they, they, they played solid, okay, but they just didn't seem like we're here to prove we're the number one team in the East. Y'all number two in the West, okay, we're about to spank you on your home floor and walk and go right back to Boston. They played like we don't know who quite these guys are, and that was disappointing. I'm not saying Missoula didn't have them prepared or Missoula's fault, but somebody didn't read a scouting report on some of these guys. Like, you know, and you can't let Giddy just dribble up and have an open 10-footer. Some of these, some of the buckets were just so easy. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, these guys are NBA players. You give them an open 8-footer, 10-footer. Mm-hmm. Like, there was just too many easy shots, I thought. Yeah, I mean, they, they shot better than 50% for the game. And you start looking down their roster, damn near everyone who saw action made at least one or two big shots. But, you know, Gary, the, the point that you brought up about just preparedness – I wouldn't say they weren't prepared for the game, but I do believe that they were not prepared to pivot in the game because there were plenty of times where they could have made a slight tweak or adjustment. And I think it may have had a very different outcome. And, and you, you mentioned Jalen Brown. Uh, to me, he was the big takeaway for me from this game because he was the one guy who clearly did not have the long ball going for himself. You're the best at attacking off the dribble, finishing at the rim, and yet there was no point in the game where you felt that he was really trying to make that happen. And that's disappointing for for Jalen because, again, he's a very good player. He can do a lot of really good things out there. But his inability to make that slight adjustment, I thought, was a failure on his part and also a failure on Joe Mazzullo's part. Uh, Joe should have made a conscious effort, draw plays that put Jalen in position to attack, to be more aggressive, particularly in a half-court set. And it's not like Joe Mazzullo wasn't making adjustments in that game. I thought one of the biggest adjustments he made that gave them a shot at winning was when he decided to let Peyton Pritchard play a little bit longer than he normally does and let Drew Holiday sit on that bench because Drew wasn't very good. His defense wasn't what it needed to be. He wasn't making shots. And if he's not helping you at either end of the floor, what the hell is he out there playing for? And it came on a night where I thought Peyton Pritchard's presence, not necessarily his production, but his presence was really good. He finished with a plus nine, which was better than any other Celtic. And normally I don't put a ton of stock in plus minus ratio but when you see a team that looks very different when a guy is off the floor than when it's on the floor which was the case with Peyton you recognize the value particularly in that game of that plus minus ratio they don't come back and make that a game if Peyton Pritchard didn't play more minutes because Drew Holiday for whatever reasons whether it was injury soreness father time no one really knows for sure but the bottom line he did not have it and Joe was able to make an adjustment in that regard, but not so much with Jalen. I think Joe has to really start looking at 
moments where he's got to sit Jalen and or Jason for a little bit longer than he normally would. It's not a diss to them. It's, it's not an indictment against them, but you have to, he, he has to get a better feel for the game and what the game needs. They needed someone out there besides Jalen, or they needed to tweak what they were doing offensively to get him more actively involved and engaged and doing the things that he does best, which is beating his man off the dribble, attacking, driving to the rim, doing those type of things. And I just didn't think that he or Missoula did a good enough job of recognizing that and trying to make, take advantage of that. Yeah, but so- as a result, the Celtics still do have the best record in the NBA, but would you say that Oklahoma City stole their thunder as the best team in the NBA? But also- Is Gary cringing right now with that? <laughs> the beautiful part about that is I didn't even write it, but Sherrod knows me so well. Exactly. I was writing for the well speaker. Delivered. <laughs> that is such a corny thing to say. <laughs> it makes Gary... Cringe. Yeah, which, he's just reevaluating exactly. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that um, they did. Uh, I, I think the Thunder absolutely made it about them and not the Celtics by winning that game. Shea Gilgis right now, and I've got a piece coming out in BET.com later this week about Shea Gilgis Alexander as being the future of the NBA. Uh, when you look at his age, you look at his skill set, you look at the, the fact that he's doing the one thing that all these young bucks who are on the rise want to do which is when all that, and he's got room to get better. Uh, he's doing it the way you're supposed to. 36-point shot, incredibly efficient from the field against the Celtics. Got rebounds, got steals, uh, got assists. Did everything that you want your face of the franchise to do. And this is in the body of a 26-year-old uh, who has plenty of room to get better and grow and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and so to, to me, this was about them. This was, this was their opportunity to show that they're not just this nice little cute, you know, young up and coming young pups in the Midwest Rebuilding doing the damn thing. They're like, yeah. nah, we balling. We trying to go to chip. Yeah. We trying to be one of the last teams standing out West and yeah, Boston, you nice and everything, but don't think y'all just going to roll up ahead and just, we're going to bow down. We're going to fight. Mm-hmm. We come to compete. We're not coming to just compete. We're coming to win. And they did that. They did a really good job of that. And I thought, again, Shea Gilgis Alexander, he's the real deal. I mean, those of us who've seen him play more than just this one, one time know how good a player he is. Uh, more and more opportunities are going to be on the horizon for that OKC team uh, to show the world how good they are because they are a very, very good team. Yeah, I do think that this was a big game for their franchise. I think that we have all been waiting for this rebuild to kind of come to fruition. And they were a power um, in the early 2000s, sorry, 2010s with KD, Westbrook, and Harden. Then they were still a power in the mid, you know, up to the mid 2010s. And then KD left and then Russell was by himself and then they got Paul George and then that didn't work out. So then they decided to kind of then remember, they went to the playoffs in the bubble um, with Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari and Dennis Schroeder and and those guys. But the last couple of years, they've obviously been the team that everybody wants to trade with because they'll take they'll take the bad veterans. They took Kimball Walker off the Celtics hands. They will take your bad veterans. They will take your. Uh, unwanted contracts, yeah. Come here, yeah. Come here for your all your unwanted contracts because as long as you got chips, yes, as long as you got some draft draft picks for us, we good. And so now they have been rebuilding for years. I mean, give just Alexander came from the Paul George trade. Do you don't think the LA Clippers wish they had Shea Gillis Alexander now instead of Paul George? 
And I mean, he was kind of nice as a rookie for them. He averaged like 10, 11 points. Yeah, so what I'm like saying. He was, that was a big commitment for the, for, the, for the Clippers to give up an all-star, perennial all-star for Paul George. You don't think they wish they would have had that guy now. Um, they lucked and gotten Chet Holger. Josh Giddy is a high, was a high pick. Um, Jalen Williams, a guy from Santa Clara, I think who was like the 20th, you know, he was in the teens. Lucanus Dort, a guy from Arizona State who was a non drop Like they have dug up, you know, Kenrich Williams, a guy who was like out of TCU who was undrafted. Casey Wallace first. Like they have found guys off the streets down there too, right? Um, Jalen Williams, the other one, played at Arkansas, was a was a was a I remember he played in that team, I think went to the Elite Eight, and he was at, he was a rebounder. And they he's turned into a three-point shooter. So with skill development and just having Gilgis Alexander and other talented guys, they are for real. Mm-hmm. And they beat the heck out the Clippers at home. When I was in LA, I saw them beat the Clippers at home. You know, they beaten teams, they whipped the hell out of Denver at Denver last week. Like, this is no joke. It's all coming together. And I think we've all been waiting for this read. Like, what are the Thunder going to do on the floor? Because they got enough draft picks, but are they going to put together a team? Well, this is the team they're putting together. A nothing but homegrown guys or guys that they've gotten when they were young. And the question is, do they need a veteran or can they run it back, run it, run it like this? and play with a bunch of just youngsters because they don't have any 30-year-olds on this team. They don't have any, you know, they don't have any old heads. This is a bunch. Gildas Alexander is their old head. He, what, 26, you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's one of the best players in the league. It's, I don't think anybody argue that. If you saw him last night and, and we saw him, I saw him last year in Oklahoma City, and then when they came to the Garden, like, he damn near unstoppable. So the Thunder, this was a big game for them. And I think it was a bigger game for them, for their franchise. It was kind of a coming out party. 2024, we're a contender in the West. Don't stop think, stop talking about the Lakers and the Clippers and the Suns and the Warriors. Y'all need to talk about the Thunder. I think that's what they were telling people. We're, but here comes the pressure now. They're not going to be any, they're not going to sneak up on anybody because I think they snuck up on a lot of people so far this year, just as Minnesota has. Now, the second half of the season, People are going to be like, okay, we're going to have to get our sleep. We're not going to be out in the streets before we play Oklahoma City. We're going to, we're going to be prepared for these guys. So the question is, will they take it to the next level and deal with that pressure and that expectation? Because now no one's going to be looking past the thunder. Can the thunder stand the rain? Anyway, <laughs> I've been waiting for you to. Oh, gosh. I've created a monster, Gary. You had to go new edition. Stop it. Love new edition. Pick and roll. Who is the more legit MVP candidate right now? SGA or Tatum? Oh, that's Shea. I don't even think I don't even think it's it's that close. It's Shea Gilgis Alexander. Hey. He he's that good. Um, his team is playing great. They've been able to knock off all the top tier teams pretty much in the NBA East and West. And he has consistently been the the best player on the floor. Uh, that sounds like a top five MVP candidate. Uh, Tatum has been really good, but the thing is, Gilgis has this thing called momentum right now. He's a guy that not a lot of people know about, and yet every chance you get to see him play on a relatively big regular season stage, he shows up and stands out. And that's the kind of stuff that, again, that that 
is going to continue to elevate his stock, elevate his status. But kind of, you know, touching on the point that Gary made, it's also going to raise the level of expectations. Uh, when he goes and plays against, you know, Boston when they come here and, and you know, other teams that are in that top tier, he got to drop 30 and some change. And he's been dropping 30 and some change all season long per game. He's been that good. So he has created a level of expectations for himself and his franchise that's extremely high and extremely unusual for a team that is led by someone who's so young and who overall is as youthful as they are. So, uh, yeah, he's the guy, man. He, he's, I mean, if you're talking about the top five candidates for league MVP, I don't know how you can keep Shea Gilgis-Alexander out of that, that discussion. Yeah, I think Shea's got it right now. Uh, one of the top candidates along with, you know, Embiid and our friend Tyrese Halliburton in Indiana, um, Tatum's having a solid season, you know, and he had 30, 13, and eight last night, um, but it wasn't good enough. And he played good defense against Alexander in the fourth quarter. And I think that says a lot that he asked to defend him in the fourth quarter. And Alexander only had two points. However, it just wasn't good enough. You didn't lead your team to a win. We need to see more of those SGA type of performances out of Tatum where he's unstoppable. And I think he was solid, 10 for 21, 2 for 5, 8 for 10 from the free throw line. Nice night, nice night, good night, but not good enough. Um, and then Porzingis, 34 points, he was good. But I just thought Tatum is having a solid year. But maybe it's those personnel around them. They're, they're deeper. So we're not seeing those, you know, uh, you know, gigantic scoring nights, the 40, 45 points. But, excuse me, there, there's got to be uh, more to Tatum in order to get back into the MVP race. I don't think he's in it. He'll make the all-star team without, without question. You know, he might be a starter. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But as far as MVP race, um, no, it's SGA. And I think this game, and I'm sure national TV folks will start adding uh, the Thunder to their their schedule because I think people want to see the Thunder now. Um, considering this win and considering some of their recent wins, I said they beat the hell out of Denver at Denver last week. When I saw that, I was like, okay, this is this team ain't to be messed with. Uh, Twenty three and nine now, and a good road team too. Really quality road team. Remember that they're not one of those teams that plays great at home and is below average on the road. They're a good good road team. So. I think it's SGA's right now. He's going to be in the top two or three. Looking ahead specifically for the Celtic, they're they're going to be hosting the Jazz on Friday. Utah has won eight of their last 11 games. Old friend Kelly Olenek, 55% from the field, 41% on three, and 90% from free throw line. All career highs for him. What should we look forward to? Obviously, that's he's already one part of what we should look forward to, but what else are you looking forward to from Friday's game? What you got, Gary? Um, Jazz are starting to play better. They, to me, one of the more disappointing teams because they are they could have probably made the playoffs last year, but they kind of they kind of tanked, right? They weren't trying to make the play in. They were not trying to just get in the edge. They were trying to get another draft pick. They did. Um, they got a kid named Keontae George from Baylor, who is a tremendous young player. He'll make the All Rookie Team. Um, and they started really slow. They were getting trounced. Now they're starting to play better. 
So it's a challenging game for the Celtics. We, we, our friend Lori Markin is back. Jordan Clarkson can score. And a, a guy we haven't heard of in a few years, Colin Sexton. Remember, a top pick for Cleveland. We're supposed to be kind of the cornerstone there. They drafted Darius Garland. They couldn't play together. The Cavaliers threw him, threw him into the uh, Donovan Mitchell deal. And now Sexton seems like he's found a little bit of a home. I think they've played uh, – Taylor Horton Tucker a little bit less and given uh, the responsibility to Colin Sexton, who's now finally healthy. So that's going to be a dangerous game, especially when you have Indiana the next night. So it's the first game of a back-to-back, you you know, you're only home for a day or two. So you're, it's it's not, you've been on the road for a minute, you come home for a day or two and you go right back out on the road to Indiana. So the Celtics got to be careful here. Uh, and and, And Utah is big. You know, Walker Kessler, Kelly Olynyk, Lori Markkinen, they got a bunch of a, a, a tall defensive guy in there. So dangerous game for the Celtics. Watch out. I'm not saying that Utah's going to come in one by 20, but this is not a game the Celtics going to romp and easy because Utah's playing better. They're starting to put it together now. Are they a playoff team? That's yet to be seen. I, I don't – right now they're still on the outside looking in, but they're starting to play better basketball and remember, uh, they beat the Celtics at uh, Utah last year. Um, you know, when the de- uh, one of those games, the Celtics really, really needed that game, and they end up losing. Yeah, I mean, they, they're a good team. They're they're a good team. They're well coached by Will Hardy, former Celtics assistant. Uh, as we mentioned El- earlier, Kelly Olynyk uh, is always going to get love in Boston for that game seven against Washington, where it was the Kelly Olynyk game, uh, where he just went off and be- was just like for one day he was an All Star. Uh, that night he was that good, uh, but this is it's this is a good time for them to play a team like Utah because Utah presents a unique challenge when you look at the the double bigs that they go. That's very different than most teams that play double bigs. Most teams that play double bigs, you usually got one who is at least one who's more of a low post banger type, and maybe one who's more of a stretch. They've got not just two stretch bigs, but arguably two of the greatest three-point shooting seven-footers in NBA history. When you look at Markinen, you look at Kelly Olenek as far as what they've done throughout their careers. So it's a different kind of challenge uh, for them. And, and one of the things that we know Joe Mazzula is very consistent with is resting, you know, Przingis and or Al when they've got back-to-backs. How are you going to do that? Do you play them both against Utah or do you play one of them against Utah and then the other one against, you know, Indiana? How are they going to handle that dynamic could go very far in determining whether they get this win or not. Uh, Utah, as, as you, Gary mentioned, they're playing a lot better uh, and they are a team that makes me a little nervous if, if, if you're the Celtics, because no one would be shocked based upon the way they played and based upon, frankly, the potential matchups that we're going to be talking about. We'll be surprised if Utah comes in here and, and steals a win. Uh, those those t- double big, that double big lineup with Markkinen and Olenek, they should be nervous about that because they don't really have clear, definitive guys to match up with them if they decide to go with their, their load management program involving Porzingis and Al Horford. All right, before we wrap up, let's quickly go around the NBA. Two stories actually related to the Celtics in some way and another one not. First, we're going to start with Gordon Hayward. He was on Paul George's podcast, and he mentioned that the failure of the 1819 Celtics was basically that everyone was good on that team, but there were too many different agendas. And he said that it didn't seem as though the priority 
was to win. And another gem from that interview as well was he actually was going to sign with Miami, but his history of Brad Stevens is the reason why he decided to go to Boston. But what do you guys think about that fact that he, that, well, his opinion that the Celtics team in 2018 had too much of an agenda in different areas? It makes sense. And watching them yeah. play, it's very consistent with teams it that have questions a, for us too. a super amount of talent don't get it done. You, you want to know why? What what happened? Why, how did this not work? And that makes a lot of sense. And, and it's something that a lot of us suspected, uh, particularly that last game at Milwaukee in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I have said this time and time again, I've never seen Kyrie Irving play worse basketball in my life. Ever. He did things that I did not think on his absolute worst day he could possibly do. Uh, the number of layups, open shots. I mean, if you didn't know that he was a max player and didn't need a damn dime, you think that maybe he was tanking this to get paid. That just wasn't the case. He was just completely checked out and you could just watch the body language of guys. That team, you know, went into that series thinking that basically we're good. We just got out of the first round. We showed that we're not going to be a first round one and done. We're done. And Gordon, I think he, he, you know, he talked about that, but it was, a, it, it was such a, unusual situation for them uh, because you've got Gordon who's a very good player when he came to Boston had that incredibly horrific injury and then he's back into the deck at a time where you've got young guys like Tatum and Brown who showed they could get to the conference finals at a very early you don't see teams that young make that type of progress as quickly and so now it's like Brad's got to work Gordon back into the mix, but you got these young bucks behind him who technically based upon their ability and where they're at now should be playing more than Gordon. And so trying to figure out how to keep all those different agendas going um, was hard. I, I love when Gordon talked about how they would have team meetings and everyone would say the right thing and talk about sacrifice, but not me. Um, y'all basically y'all need to sacrifice, but I don't really need to, I shouldn't really have to sacrifice my game. And when you got four or five guys who feel that way, you got a problem. You, you, you're going to fall well short of what you're hoping to do. And that's exactly how we all remember that team, uh, tremendous potential, uh, but they just did not do the things that great teams are supposed to do. And thus they become just another footnote of what it could have, should have been. Uh, yeah, that team was uh, had a lot of issues. Hot uh, mess is what you want to say, but I'll, I'll say it for yeah, you. Yeah, because it was just it was the timing of it. And I don't want to like I don't think that like you had Kyrie with one foot out of the door. I think he was really like remember he had made that promise to come back to Boston. Everybody thought he was going to come back. Then suddenly, um, I think it was a couple of weeks later, it was at a shoot around, and I think he he just started changing. He was really, really dark that season. Really, really just in a solemn mood most of the time. I think his 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 attitude far to affect his teammates because was that the video Kwani that you took during All Star Weekend with him and Durant. It was. It was that year. Yeah, that was the year though. Nineteen All Star game. Charlotte. The nineteen All Star game was was that your video, Kwani? The one that went viral of them. Talking in the hallway. That went like more viral, but I got the initial video of when they first started hanging out in the hallway. Okay. And, they, so, and I just noted, because I'm nosy, so I noticed that the two of them had been buddy-buddy the entire practices. I was like, I'm going to just keep the camera on them. So. Yeah, I mean, from that. They, were, they weren't slick. They were doing it on purpose, obviously. We all knew that. We knew that um, 
it was it was something was gonna something she was gonna hit the fan right yeah you had Kyrie who had one foot to Brooklyn you had Jalen and Jason who were trying to show that they could be cornerstones Jalen didn't like Kyrie okay Jason who was uh kind of mentored by Kyrie started looking and being like yeah you my dude and all that but I'm I ain't in this like Jason started doing his own thing kind of separating from Kyrie because Kyrie became kind of toxic Gordon was trying to prove off an injury that he could still play Marcus Morris was trying to get his money Terry Rozier was trying to prove he could start in the league because Terry Rozier felt like he was better than Kyrie so you throw all that together Al is like is my future here remember Al opted out after the season to sign with Philadelphia. So you had so many personal issues with that team. Like a basketball reality show. And it was like, and it it wasn't one person. Everybody's like, um, it was all Kyrie's fault. And that's easy. That's an easy thing to say. It's not. It wasn't all Kyrie's fault. It was some of his fault, though. He deserves some of the responsibility. Um, because I just think he was like, do I want to play here? Do I want to go home? Free agency's coming. And he's trying to, like you said, like you took the video, Kwani, he trying to recruit KD and have them both go to Brooklyn, which is exactly what happened. Um, and then Jason and Jalen are youngsters. Jason's 20, Jalen 21. But th- both of them are trying to prove that they're stars. And then I said, we we don't talk about the Terry aspect of it. Terry was like, no, but Kyrie, I could, I'm going to start at point guard, right? Remember, Kyrie left, they got Kimba. Like, they kind of pushed Terry to the side. We can all ask ourselves, what if Brad said, Terry, you're the guy next year, instead of Kimba? That would have been an interesting situation if they had kept on and held on to Terry, who just hit a game-winning shot, for, for who has not done anything in Charlotte in terms of winning, but has turned himself into a pretty damn good player for Charlotte and signed a nice little contract with Charlotte. If, and we, you know, and, and I'm sure our listeners are, and viewers can tell they, me what they think, what if Brad had held on to, to Terry and said, and that was unpopular because people didn't know what Terry could do. So if you replace Terry, Kyrie with Terry, people are going to be like, well, no, you need a real point guard. So they got Kimba. And then, you know, how did the Kimba thing work? It didn't. It sort of did. It sort of didn't. So uh, that 19 team was just a lot of chaos. Everybody with their own personal agenda. And it wasn't like nobody, like, Gordon was right. I don't think anybody was like, no, 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 man. I don't care if we win. I'm just trying mm-hmm. to go fine. Everybody's trying to prove that they could be the man. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk about Marcus Morris trying to get his money. Marcus was trying to get his check. And he did. He got his 4-64 and 64, um, from the Knicks. I believe he won't, he goes to the Knicks. Gordon leaves for, the, for Charlotte. Al leaves for Philadelphia. Terry goes to Charlotte for Kimba. Mm-hmm. You know, Al, you know, it's like they keep Kyrie goes to Brooklyn. So it was yeah. just a lot. If you look at that team, they weren't close because Kyrie was a central figure. And I just think Kyrie 
And I had somebody tell me this before he got to Boston, who was in Cleveland, said, listen, man, there are five different Kyries. I, I remember I was there when you heard that. Yep. Five um, different Kyries. I think there was the three of us, actually. We were together. And you're <laughs> going to, and 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 you don't know which one you're going to get. It's like a, it's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> you, just, you have no idea Facts. which Kyrie you're going to get. And I think that war on his teammates. Is it happy Kyrie, reflective Kyrie, deep Kyrie, pissed off Kyrie, don't talk to me Kyrie. <laughs> These youngsters here cuz he started he started airing his issues out to the media about, oh, now I know what it's like to be a leader. I Bron was right. These youngsters, man, they don't listen. And and Jalen heard that. And Jason heard that. Start from the top, not because, the bottom. Because Jason, remember, Jason and him had the same agent at one time. They were both Duke guys. Mm-hmm. Jason started to kind of do, like, you know what, Kyrie, you my guy and you my mentor, but I'm going to start straying away. I don't want no part of your issues with Jalen. I don't want no part of, like, if you're talking about me, I don't know what you're talking about. Like Jason started to do his own thing. And he, and if you look now, like there's not a lot of connection between like, I'm not saying they beef. No, I'm not saying that, but they're not, you don't see him. Oh, my man, Kyrie, Jason, like they're good. But Jason started to kind of pull away because it was getting toxic between Jalen and between Kyrie. And they've since made up. And Jalen had Kyrie's back mm-hmm. with, the, with the situation with the anti-Semitic stuff and mm-hmm. some of the things he posted. Jalen had his back as a member of the Players Association. But in 19, almost five years ago, mm-hmm. that was, it was not nice. And I know- They all I, follow each other on Instagram, I just confirmed. So that, you know, can't be that much bad. But, <laughs> exactly. Oh. There you go. There you go, Jalen has been very clear about at there was when they were teammates, he didn't like him. Yeah. And he, he's Same he with said that and Jalen. They had beef too. He's like, like they're better, they're they're better now that they're not like teammates. Them. Mm. So you bring that in, and I don't think and Terry coming from Youngstown, a tough kid. Terry, yeah. like, hold up. Like, you gonna say this dude better than me? Like, you know, Let's see what I did to Blood Soul. Did y'all like, see what I did to so Terry, Terry's like, wait a minute, I helped us get to the Eastern Conference Finals when that fool was hurt. And now you just gonna give him the ring and, and he ain't gonna listen to me. And then, and what I said, we can ask this question. If Brad had co- went to Terry and said, Terry, the team is yours in 2019-20, what if Brad had gone to Terry and said, We're you're our guy now. Kyrie gone, you're our point guard. How would that have worked? Would they have gotten farther? Would they have gotten to the finals or or won the finals in the bubble with Terry as their point guard instead of Kimba? Mm. Mm. That's we'll never know. We'll never I'm know. sure. I'm sure Terry will tell you if of we course. talk to Terry. Oh, we'd have got a chip. Yeah, we yeah. got a chip. No doubt. No because doubt. Terry was Terry would we all know that Terry was Terry was ready. Oh. Now, you could say that he's not winning in Charlotte, but, but Charlotte's a mess. But, Nobody's they, winning in Charlotte. But Charlotte Terry, ter- Terry turned himself into a good shooter. Mm-hmm. Terry turned himself into a two-guard because he had to move the two because they got LaMelo Ball. But you could say that 
they should have listened to Terry when he was telling them that I could be a better fit than Kyrie. Mm. But we'll never know. know. Everybody <laughs> bounced. Gordon bounced. Yeah. Al bounced. It was, you know, it was like it was it, it was it's it like was like somebody turned the lights on in the club. Yeah, you know. It was boys to men, like how do I say goodbye? Yeah, like coolie, the end of Cooley High. <laughs> well, this queued up the next part of our final three topics perfectly because Kyrie Irving was in the news again. So the Salt Lake Tribune, they they wrote a little piece about this little. I don't know if we would call it an incident, but basically there were a few rabbis that went to a game. It sounds like a beginning of a, a joke, but it's not a joke. Three rabbis went to a game. They had signs that said we're because you know it's like a priest walks into that's a bar. like a joke. You know they say a priest walks into a bar. Why are you like, making this up? Kwani, <laughs> quick clown. Never heard that before. Be, be, be serious. It's a joke. Three rabbis went to an NBA game. One of them, yeah. like Kwani. You know that sounded like a joke. Come on now. <laughs> you does. I'm just saying. Finish the joke. So you got right, three rabbis no, and a friend. Go ahead. There's no punch. The punchline is that. All right, so Kyrie, gosh, the sign they wrote said, I am a Jew and I'm proud. They had the Star of David in it. They brought it to the game. They read all the rules and regulations for the Delta Center, and they determined that they weren't breaking any, like, code of conduct policies as a result. Kyrie ends up seeing the sign during the game, and reportedly, according to one of the rabbis, Kyrie came by, he saw the sign and he said, nice, I'm a Jew too. And also showed the Star of David tattoo that Kyrie showed the tattoo that he has, the Star of David. Guy says, nice, happy new year, buddy, apparently. So this is where it gets a little messy. They're claiming that, the rabbi is claiming that someone told him that Kyrie complained about the sign. Kyrie and his PR is saying that they did not. The Utah Jazz is basically buckling down on the fact that this was just arena policy it's honestly very messy for no reason but also in light of what's going on in israel right now too in gaza they specifically said that they didn't write anything about israel because they didn't want it to be political they were just trying to make a point to Kyrie that they were proud of being jewish which we both know he all three of us know he also thinks he's jewish as well so not i'm not being like condescending with the way i say it. i'm just he is claiming to be jewish so that's just the drama that is the NBA, but unfortunately revolves around Kyrie as well. Well, it's 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 confusing, and it goes back to you know the fact that there are lots of layers to who Kyrie is, and sometimes you see all five or twenty five of those layers at one time. Uh, it no one would be surprised if he had a conversation with with the rabbis and said, "Hey, I'm a Jew too," and then two minutes later is trying to you know telling them. Yeah security they need to go or they need to get rid of the signs uh that's that whether it's true or not Kyrie has created a list of receipts where people can look at that situation and draw mm-hmm. that conclusion based upon how he has handled situations in the past uh it's it's sad that you know Kyrie who is a phenomenal talent one of the best ball handlers the, the NBA has ever had that we're finding ourselves having conversations about him that have nothing to do with basketball playing and everything to do with uh issues that he somehow brings to the game um I'd rather he's I'd rather he spend a little bit more time honing his craft and helping that team that's currently in seventh place in the West actually play like a team that wants to do more than just be a one and done team. 
Uh, you know, and at some point you got to look at a guy like Luca, who's going to be like, dude, y'all need to get rid of this dude. He's not, I mean, we're seven with me by myself. We're seventh with him. We're still seventh and seventh with all the other stuff that comes with being Kyrie Irving. Mm, so, yeah. um, I, it's, I wish that we could talk more about how amazing a basketball player he is because he really is, but he leaves us no choice for these mm-hmm. types of situations. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know all the details of it. Um, I know he's just coming back from an injury, the heel injury that I think he caught, I think he missed 15 games, mm-hmm. 10 or 15 games. Um, you know, I think he's trying to be a good, good, better off the floor in terms of like not as being as distracting as he was in Brooklyn. And we'll see how that long that goes. Um, you know, there's, you know, who knows? Like, I think Kyrie, I think the one thing that he could do is be more open about his beliefs and say, this is what I believe in. This is what I don't believe in. Take it or leave it. I ain't got nothing else to say about it. But the whole like, well, guess what I am and and you don't understand. And some of this stuff is confusing because I think people truly want to know what do you believe in, Kyrie? What are your beliefs? Talk to me about it. Mm-hmm. And whether it's him going on a talk show and giving his thoughts, but just let it all out. Then say, I got nothing else to say about it. This is what I feel. We have had players in the league with different religious beliefs. It's okay. That's a freedom of choice, a freedom of America to believe what you want. Now, is it controversial? We live in a society now that everybody judges, you know, the cancel culture, we're judging everybody so quickly. Yeah, I get it. It's difficult, more difficult. But 30 years ago, you know, Muhammad Abdul-Raouf, you know, wouldn't stand for the anthem. It took a lot of heat for that, right? Like there's certain people that they have their beliefs. They don't believe all of what everybody thinks they should. And it's okay. I wish Kyrie would just say, this is what I believe in. And this is my, this is my stance. And this all I got it. You have your stance. I got mine. You're not changing my mind. I'm sure I'm ready to play ball. Yeah. But it's so confusing. I think as to what he truly believes, some of it is, some of it isn't that, you know, it's cost him a lot. And, you know, you just hope that, like Sherrod said, he gets back to the court, concentrates on helping make the Mavericks a winning team, and we don't have to hear anything about, you know, his beliefs or whatever or somebody picketing him. He can just believe what he wants, leave people alone. People leave him alone. He can just play basketball. Yeah. Um, now, if he wants to do stuff off the floor in the offseason or – fight for certain rights or fighting for certain causes or whatever, that's his freedom of choice. Uh, But just right now, ball, don't be a distraction. And if you want people to understand you, make yourself more understood. I like that. All right, finally, John Morant gave Wemby a poster, put him on a poster, whatever you want to call it. I want, it's like, Whatever, because Wemby's tall, so he didn't like necessarily jump over him, but he like jumped through him. But yes, Wemby went for the block. (laughs) 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 He got crammed on it. Yeah, it was still it's still poster worthy. 
It is. And uh, the thing about John Moran, and I, I, it's still early in his return to form yeah. and all that stuff, but I got to give him props. He's letting his basketball do all the talking. And it's looking good, man. It's, it's, they want, they were like six and 19 without him. They're like five and three since he came back. So they literally have almost as many wins since he's gotten back in like a week and a half than they had in like, you know, damn near, you know, a couple months. So he's, do, he's doing the thing. He's playing really well. And uh, when you, when you're that tall, like Wimby is, I mean, it's, it's just like when, when Taco was here, everybody trying to dunk on you. Everyone is trying to put you on a poster because Easy they know you're putting a seven. Uh, oh. <laughs> what? what? You, you, Gary. The only thing Wimby and Taco got in common is they both they, tall. That's what you like comparison. That's, right. that's my point. <laughs> Cookies on the bottom shelf you for think, Gary Washburn. You think Wimby's calling Taco? Point. Taco, give me some advice about being <laughs> in the NBA and being. No, like, I don't think so. No, hell no. Nah. Taco five percent of Wimby's game, and I like Taco. Don't do that to Wimby. When you're that tall, Taco playing in China. Is he still in China or no? No, he's still apparently in China. That's the point. People are like Taco. People like Wimby. You're trying to put those guys on posters, Gary. Cookies on the bottom shelf. I'll give it to you that way. Obviously, I can't put him on the mid shelf because you're just like I can't reach. I can't reach. Wimby. Gary's point is it's probably easier to put Taco on a poster than it should be for Wimby. Wimby and Taco. Yes. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. A lot of people try to put Taco on a poster and fail. Mm. A lot of people. Oh, boy. When, you, when you're that tall. Don't kill me. When you're that tall. You can't see people shorter than you. No. Well, <laughs> not only that, but Taco, think about it. What, what is the one thing that Taco does that supersedes everything else? Defense. Miles. Wimby does everything. Wimby does every damn thing. So defense True. isn't exactly the one thing he does exceptionally well. For Taco, it is. All I'm saying is Ja did the damn thing. He dunked on him. He dunked on him. And you know Gary, and you know Kwani, when you dunk <laughs> on somebody and you got a crowd around, and you're yeah. pointing at them. It ain't just it ain't just little... like laying it up. Yeah. It ain't just like finger rolling like you George Gerber. No, when you and it was a two-hand dunk. It was, it was clean on the rim, hand. held on. Held on to the rim. It was, it was it was it was a nice dunk. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. So, oh, well, that's a great way to end on a high note. That's Happy 2024, Kwani. It's 2024. This is what we got. This is the year of doing better, according to Sherrod. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) I'm sorry. I got some coal for y'all. That's deep, man. Man, that's deep, man. That's deep. World renowned. I didn't put my my wishes in like government secret service. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't give no resolution. You just said be better. How was that and, you said, and you said I got something, but I'm not telling. No, I ain't gonna tell everybody. He don't want to tell people his business. When I like get it done, I'll be like, that was my resolution. When you, when you do it, oh, yeah. when you get it done, I don't like talking about stuff I ain't done. I, I'm with you on that one. Potential is what potential means. You ain't done it yet. Real a poet once said, "Real G's move in silence like lasagna." Real Wait G's up. like me, me G, the great philosopher <laughs> Lil Wayne. Yes, real <laughs> G's. <laughs> What's wrong with uh, What's wrong with this people? It's all jokes. Sherrod knows plenty of young young journalists with potential. <laughs> so do you. Yeah. So I'm just saying. 
Some of that stuff means you ain't done it yet. But you will maybe. So when you do it, you talk about it. Let Don't tell us, show us. All right, preach, preach. Well, for our listeners, viewers, we appreciate you guys all. Happy New Year. And if you haven't already, I imagine you have at this point. But if you haven't, subscribe, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on your favorite podcasting app, share an episode with a friend, a family member, an enemy. It doesn't matter. Just share. Share the love with everyone this 2024 year. And as we said, make sure you're doing better. Celtics, they will be doing better as well. So until next week, we thank you for all for listening to the Big 3 NBA podcast. Have a great week. And do maybe Garrett Connors will cut out a witness protection program. Do better, do better, year. people. Be better. Witness protection. <laughs> it works. Be no. better. <laughs>